Hello, everybody, and welcome to Charts with Dan. I am a couple days late this week, and as you can probably tell from my voice, it's because I haven't been feeling too great uh, this past week. Actually, after two and a half years, I've had my first brush, personal brush at least, with COVID. And let me tell you, it sucks. It is not fun at all. I mean, I don't think anyone said it was fun, but it really isn't. Basically, Sunday night, Monday going into Tuesday, I was completely out of commission. Today was the first day where I kind of started feeling okay, at least okay enough to do this show. But just a quick note, like I said, for two and a half years, I was able to avoid getting it. It was largely because I was taking the precautions I thought I should take to protect myself. Last week, I went to a social function, and really for the first time in those two and a half years, I kind of let my guard down, and I'm paying for it. And I know that some people have gotten COVID and said, hey, you know, it's no big deal. Well, it's different for everybody, because let me tell you, it was a big deal for me. It was the sickest I've been, maybe in my adult life, certainly in recent history. And with stuff coming up, especially Comic-Con, there's going to be such a big gathering of people, and I know that there's a lot of overlap between my audiences and certainly a lot of my friends that are going to be going to Comic-Con this upcoming weekend. If you feel like you need to take those steps to protect yourself, don't get self-conscious about it. Just take that precaution, because let me tell you, maybe it's not a big deal for some people, but it was not fun for me. It certainly also has not been fun for Mara. We've had a hospital visit. We've had doctor visits. We've had medication, etc. And And as you can tell, I'm still on the way back. So I know everybody wants this to be over, but the fact of the matter is that it's not. This thing is still out there. Uh, this strain of it is pretty nasty. And it was just a reminder for me and a very tough lesson to learn that even though we want things to be over and even though things have gotten better in the past, that uh, this thing is still lurking out there. So uh, I'm going to be do my best to get through this show. I've got some water here. I'm going to try to keep my voice so that it's not completely grating for you to listen to. And before we continue, I would like to thank, as always, my partner on the show, kind of a, a fitting sponsor, I guess, this week, Carbon Health. Uh, I've been talking for a lot of uh, many months now about all of the benefits of Carbon Health, in addition to telehealth, which is something that I used, actually, in order to do uh, an urgent care appointment without having to actually go into an urgent care facility. You can also get COVID tests at Carbon Health locations. Carbon Health has a great mission, which is to make healthcare as accessible and affordable for as many people as possible. And uh, as a big reminder for me this week, just how important healthcare is and how lucky I am to have it, and also how important it is to continue the mission to expand that access to as many people as possible. So thank you as always to Carbon Health for being a partner here on the show. And let's look at the box office for this past weekend, I guess, although we're kind of closer to this next weekend than we are to the last box office weekend. And the big story is the number one movie, Thor Love and Thunder, in its second week. We're going to talk about that number there, minus 67.7%, and how close Marvel came to its biggest second weekend drop-off ever. But it was number one with 46.6 million dollars. Minions: The Rise of Gru in its third weekend, dropping less than 50%, a 41.8% drop-off with a 26.8 million dollar total. Where the Crawdads Sing showed some unexpected strength for a lot of folks. A lot of people also telling me all summer that this could be a sleeper hit. $17.2 million debut, well ahead of where a lot of people had it pegged. Top Gun Maverick in its eighth week, still in the top five for the, for a summer movie that's phenomenal. I've said this so many times about this movie, but it's never not true. A 20.9% drop off with a $12.2 million weekend. Elvis also holding really well in its fourth week with a 28.4% drop off and an $8 million total. So actually older skewing films there in the three, four, and five spots, really helping to drive the top five. 
At number six is the debut of the new animated film, Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank. Could not quite crack the top 10 with $6.3 million. The Black Phone still holding well, 31% in its fourth week with a $5.3 million total. Jurassic World Dominion at number eight with a 40% drop in its sixth week and a $5.1 million total. Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, which was just shy of a wide release. It was in just under 1,000 theaters. Good enough for a number nine debut with $1.9 million. And Lightyear clinging on to that top 10 in its fifth week with a 54.5% drop in a $1.4 million total. So let's take a look at that second weekend drop-off for Thor Love and Thunder. And I said that it just barely avoided being the MCU's biggest drop-off from weekend one to weekend two. And when I say barely, I mean barely. Look at that. The biggest weekend one to weekend two drop-off by percentage was Black Widow at 67.8%. Thor Love and Thunder coming in at 67.7%. And look at Spider-Man No Way Home coming in at 67.5%, although you have to keep in mind with Spider-Man No Way Home, A, it had a huge opening weekend. B, that second Friday was Christmas Eve, which is not a huge movie-going day. And then Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness with a 67% drop-off between its first and second weekend. Those orange movies there that you see are all phase four films. And I, we've talked about this with Marvel before. This is not a quality thing. This show is about numbers. And when we look at these numbers, we can now quantify with the Marvel Cinematic Universe that these movies are more front-loaded than they ever have been before. When you look at these phase four films, the only one really to put in an above-average performance is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It had a 54% drop-off from its first to its second weekend. Then you had Eternals, which was on the very back end of what you would call prior to phase four, really a normal drop-off with 62.3%, but then you see Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, a 67% drop-off. Spider-Man No Way Home, 67.5%. Thor Love and Thunder, 67.7%. Black Widow, 67.8%. This is really defying any kind of a pandemic trend at this point. It has to do, people say that they don't care about cinema score. I get that, that it's about expectation, etc. But cinema score has a big bearing on the legs that a movie has at the box office. We've seen the cinema scores on Marvel movies come in lower. We're seeing those results again again at the box office it means that people aren't either going for the first time going back for the second time now one number that you probably saw a lot in the last several days was this 80 percent number oh uh thor 11 thunder dropped off 80 percent in weekend two well no it didn't again uh, this number gets thrown around it was thrown around the same with dr strange it was its friday to friday drop and that's usually a bigger number now, especially because preview grosses for Thursday are thrown into that Friday number. But still, Thor Love and Thunder did have one of the biggest Friday to Friday drop-offs for the MCU. Again, you can see that Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the only one with a normal or above average performance for the MCU. Eternals with a 74.6% Friday to Friday drop-off. And then the bottom four slots, all Phase 4 films, 79.6% for Black Widow. 80.2% for Thor Love and Thunder, 81.1% for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and 83.9% for Spider-Man No Way Home. Again, with the caveat that that Friday, Christmas Eve, not a huge day uh, for moviegoers. Now, I'm not here making the case that Marvel is making movies that are flops because I think Thor Love and Thunder is over half a billion at the box office. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is at $950 million at the box office. Worldwide numbers, I should say, for both of those. And I don't think Marvel is too unhappy with the totals for those. However, it does seem that these films are more reliant on their opening than they should have been or perhaps would have been uh, in different circumstances. And you can't say that it's, well, the summer box office because we have seen plenty of summer movies hang around this summer that have had great legs at the box office. There's something about these movies, expectations, quality, 
Disney Plus and streaming, something about these films that is keeping audiences away more than they have been traditionally in this second weekend and perhaps beyond. So, uh, you know, I'm not a Disney executive. I'm not Kevin Feige. I'm not going to sit here and figure all this out. They're coming off of one of their biggest hits ever with Spider-Man No Way Home, even though that is a co-production with Sony. But I think that there are probably some discussions that are being had in the Marvel offices and the Disney offices. And I think those are discussions that should be had because we're looking at numbers that the MCU is not quite used to. It may be a tough road ahead or... Maybe they'll figure it out. We just don't know. On the other end of the spectrum, a movie that's holding exceptionally well, as we've been talking about, is Top Gun Maverick. When we look at the eighth wide weekend in release, Top Gun Maverick posting the number four eighth wide weekend ever after Titanic and Avatar clustered up there at one and two, just behind Home Alone. Of course, these are not adjusted for inflation, so Home Alone's number would be much bigger uh, if this were. Then Top Gun Maverick at number four and Frozen at number five. And Top Gun continues to climb the all-time domestic box office list. As a matter of fact, as we sit here, or as I sit here recording and as you sit here watching it, it has probably already passed Star Wars The Last Jedi to be the number 10 movie of all time at the domestic box office with the Avengers soon to follow. So Top Gun Maverick will officially be a top 10 all-time domestic box office grocer. It has passed now The Lion King and Incredibles 2. I've talked about the imperfection of adjusting for inflation with everything going on with the economy, etc. But just for the record, to get a rough guidepost historically, it has topped Home Alone at number 44 and Disney's Pinocchio at 45. It is now trailing Independence Day and Love Story and that it gets harder and harder to climb up this list as it goes. So we'll see how much gas Top Gun Maverick has left in the tank, but uh, it's shown exceptional legs at the box office. And I look forward to, uh, well, I don't look forward to it not being in theaters anymore, but I look forward to getting that final gross to really get the official numbers of, I mean, we're looking at at least probably a five and a half to six times multiplier off of its opening, which is incredible uh, and a lot of other great things to look at. When we look at the road to recovery, and this is the total box office uh, for this past weekend versus the five-year average for the five years previous to the pandemic and then last year's total, we took a deep dive after a couple weekends above the average. We're actually closer to the box office weekend from last year, 2021, which saw the debut of Space Jam, A New Legacy, uh, but we're still doing very well box office-wise, you know, given the fact that it was a slow start because we were coming out of that pandemic trend we actually are going to this week pass the domestic box office total for all of 2021 uh, as we go into uh, what we've made here in 2022 so this is going to be a significant recovery year for the box office with a lot of big movies left on the horizon there was one mistake though when we talk about a significant box office year that i made it was a pretty big one last week i was talking about back-to-back -back 100 million dollar plus debut weekends and i said that it only happened twice in box office history once when Incredibles 2 and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom debuted to over $100 million back-to-back, -back, and again when Minions The Rise of Gru and Thor Love and Thunder debuted back-to-back -back with over $100 million, well, I left out a pretty big instance, and that would be the first time it ever happened, which was back in 2007 when Shrek the Third and Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End debuted back-to-back -back on May 18th, 2007 and May 25th, 2007. I really don't have any excuse other than that it was just a research error on my part. I hate when I make mistakes like that, by the way. I've literally been kicking myself for it uh, the entire week. The only thing that really took my mind off of it was uh, 
uh, debilitating illness. Uh, but other than that, uh, I have to uh, use my Steve-O voice. As it's starting to sound a little bit like Steve-O uh, to make that correction. So there are actually three times that movies have debuted to over $100 million in back-to-back weekends. And I made that error last week, so I wanted to make sure that I corrected it for this week. When we look at the box office market share for 2022, not a whole lot of change from last week. Sony and Warner Brothers remain at 12 and 13% respectively. Paramount loses one percentage point of market share down 1% and gives it to Universal, Paramount Universal now tied for 24% market share this year. Disney Fox sitting at 20%. They pick up 1%. And then the all other slice that would be distributors like Lionsgate, A24, etc. Down 1% for 7% of the total box office this year. When we look at my local market, this is just, again, kind of a guidepost at the availability, at least here this previous weekend, as far as what movies you could go see. 25% of all local showtimes. There were 287 showtimes on Sunday, the 17th of July. One quarter of those showtimes were devoted to Thor Love and Thunder, again, largely because of Disney's contractual obligations with theaters and to keep movies on a certain number of screens. Where the Crawdads Sing was actually the second most available movie in my local market with 15% of total shows followed by minions the rise of grew with 13 percent pause of fury was having its debut weekend but only counted for nine percent of available show times which actually tied with the two-month-old top gun maverick elvis there at seven percent followed by the black phone and jurassic world at six percent mrs harris goes to paris had five percent of the available show times and all other films constituted another five percent that would include movies like lightyear when we look at the per theater averages for the 15th through the 17th, Thor Love and Thunder once again topping the chart at $10,659, followed by Minions The Rise of Gru. A movie called Love and Kilnary in one theater grossed $5,700. It is a movie about a New Hampshire town that gets real horny due to new EPA chemical treatments. I'm, I'm not making that up. That's the actual, well, that's not the official description, but that's basically the description of the movie. Where the Crawdads Sing in fourth place on the list with $4,700 in each of its 3,650 theaters. And then at number five, expanding to 14 theaters was Fire of Love with $4,600 per theater. One of my favorite documentaries, well, my favorite documentary this year, one of my favorite movies of 2022 so far. Looking at the movies that were in limited release, that's 1,000 theaters or fewer. Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris tops the chart, opening in just under that 1,000 theater threshold, 980 theaters with $1.9 million. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, I understand the fact that you're doing a gradual rollout, but it feels glacial because I still want to see this movie and it's nowhere near my local market. 153 theaters in week four with a $567,000 gross. The Winona Ryder film Gone in the Night comes in at number three in 136 theaters with $123,000 gross. Gabby Giffords Won't Back Down, a documentary about the uh, Congresswoman Gabby Giffords who survived uh, being shot, is playing in 302 theaters in its debut week and it grossed $75,000. And then at number five, Fire of Love in 14 theaters with its $64,000 gross. When we look at the films that played in limited release in 2022 so far, we see Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris by virtue of an almost wide release in uh, just under or just over 900 theaters. It debuts under the chart at number seven, which drops out Watcher. The rest of the list remains unchanged from last week. We are almost three quarters of the way through the summer when we look at the domestic summer box office. Also no change 
from last week. Top Gun Maverick staying in the top spot, followed by Doctor Strange, Jurassic World at number three, Minions at number four, Thor at number five, Lightyear at number six, Elvis breaking the $100 million mark is at number seven, The Black Phone comes in at number eight, Downton Abbey New Era at number nine, and The Bob's Burgers Movie at number 10. If Nope holds up to the box office estimates that it has been receiving for this week, we should see it debut on this chart uh, next week on next week's show. But uh, who knows? You never know. Don't take anything for granted. If there's one thing that the box office has told us this year or this summer in particular is that don't take anything for granted. When we look at my predictions versus the actual box office, I'm still seven for seven, although none in the proper placement so far. Nope is on my personal list of the top 10 movies of the summer. So perhaps I'll be eight for 10 next week with DC League of Super Pets and Bullet Train still to come. Looking outside of the domestic market, let's look at the international market. So these are all markets outside of the US and Canada. Thor Love and Thunder remains number one with $60.1 million, followed by Minions, The Rise of Gru with $44.4 million. Top Gun Maverick at number three with $19.2 million. Detective vs. Sleuths at number four with $18.1 million. And Mozart from Space at $16.4 million. This movie was just too interesting to me just from a title standpoint. So I looked it up. It's about a kid whose dad forces him to play the piano, and then an alien shows up who takes the form of a stuffed panda. So it's sort of like the Chinese version of Ted a little bit. I don't know. It looks super weird. So when we take the international market, we mash it up with the domestic market, we get the worldwide weekend. I've added the percentage of drop-off for worldwide uh, movies as well because I thought that might be instructive as we go forward. So we see in its second weekend, Thor Love and Thunder stays at the top of the worldwide box office but has a similar worldwide dip uh, as we saw here in the uh, domestic market, although not quite as steep, a 64.8% drop-off. Minions The Rise of Gru drops off just 30.5% with $71.2 million in its third week. Top Gun Maverick in its eighth week, dropping less than 20% worldwide with $31.4 million. Detective vs. Sleuths in its second week, dropping 19.7% with $18.1 million. And Elvis having a great hold worldwide in its fourth week with $17.8 million and a 10.5% drop-off. Looking at the 2022 box office as a whole domestically, pretty much everything remains the same from last week except for uh, some adjustment in rankings. Thor 11 Thunder moves up two spots to number six. Sonic the Hedgehog and Uncharted both move down one spot. And then Elvis moves onto the list at number 10, The Lost City dropping off of the list uh, after a long run uh, in the domestic top 10. Worldwide box office, again, just some shakeups in the rankings. Thor 11 Thunder moves up three spots to number seven. Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Uncharted all drop down one spot to numbers 8, 9, and 10. Everything else above stays the same. And when we look at the worldwide box office over the previous 365 days, so you take today's date, you roll it back one calendar year, just one change, which is that Minions, The Rise of Gru, is now number nine. That drops the eldest movie on the list, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, off the list. It made it 317 days, so a little less than 50 days shy of breaking that mark. Venom Let There Be Carnage drops to number 10, but I will tell you that Thor Love and Thunder has pretty much, again, as we're sitting here, probably moved past it. So this will be Venom Let There Be Carnage's last week on this chart as well. Before we see what people are watching on the various streaming services, I like to look at a weekend in box office history, and we are going back to the weekend of July 12th through the 14th, 1991, the 28th weekend of the year. That weekend saw Terminator 2 Judgment Day in its second week with a 34.7% drop 
with $20.7 million. So even back then, it wasn't so much about stacking a huge opening. It was much more about longevity. At number two was a re-release of 101 Dalmatians, the Walt Disney animated classic. That came in at number two over two of the most notable movies of the 1990s for very different reasons. Boys in the Hood debuted at number three with just over $10 million. And then the classic Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves action film Point Break debuted the same weekend with $8.5 million. The Naked Gun 2.5, The Smell of Fear, in its third week rounded out the top five with $7.3 million. But, you know, we tend to homogenize and blur everything as time goes on. And we think of movies as just being part of different eras. It's, it's crazy to kind of break it down into micro eras and realize that Boys in the Hood and Point Break uh, have these long legacies and actually were up against each other in the very first weekend uh, that they opened in movie theaters. You can go see those two movies for the first time uh, in the same weekend. Pretty crazy. So let's see what people are watching through various streaming services. And we'll start with iTunes, what people are watching and renting through the Apple Store. Jurassic World Dominion at number one. It's available for purchase and premium video on demand. The Black Phone also available for purchase and premium video on demand at number two. So those are two uh, universal films at one and two. Zack Snyder's Justice League of sensational I don't mean like amazing but like actually textbook sensational story about Zack Snyder and the whole uh, Snyder Cut movement came out uh, on the eve of its release on digital platforms it's available for purchase now on digital platforms it comes in at number three on the list the Northman is at number four everything everywhere all at once at number five the Batman at number six available for purchase and rental the bad guys at number seven also available now for purchase and rental Sonic the Hedgehog returning to the list I should say Sonic the Hedgehog 2 returning to the list at number eight followed by the unbearable weight of massive talent and morbius at number 10 looking at the netflix charts the sea beast topped the global most watched programs as calculated by my global merle metric which takes the number of hours watched and turns it into a potential finished views, meaning these are the number of users that potentially could have finished watching the entire movie or series. The Sea Beast is at number one with a PFE of 16.9, followed closely by Girl in the Picture with a PFE of 16.7. But you see Stranger Things 4 there uh, clocking another 188.1 million hours watched. The PFE on the series is low because it's a long season, but it had a total PFE of 14.5, good enough for number three. The Man from Toronto drops to number four with a PFE of 13 followed by Sing 2 with a PFV of 9.1. And then five newcomers, Hello, Goodbye, and Everything in Between, a teen romance based on a novel, is at number six with a PFV of 7.3. American Assassin, a non-Netflix movie at number seven with a PFV of 7.2, followed by another non-Netflix movie, but one that stars Nick Cage with a PFV of 7.1. This just goes to show you how many people are going back to restart the Stranger Things series. The original season one series of Stranger Things, enough people watching it that it's good enough for number nine on this list with a PFE of 6.7 and then the Netflix movie a remake I think a modern day remake of Dangerous Liaisons comes in at number 10 with a PFE of 6. Looking at the most watched 2022 Netflix programs as ranked by PFV you see that the man from Toronto is climbing up the list it's now at number 8 with a PFE of 75.4 365 days this day and inventing Anna both dropping down one spot 
Stranger Things 4 also now gaining again on the Atom Project. It's got a PFE of 111.7. So uh, will enough people watch the entire thing, the entire season of Stranger Things 4 for it to overtake the Atom Project? It's pretty tough. That's a lot of hours watched to overcome, but Stranger Things is incredibly successful. It actually, when you look at the most watched Netflix programs since Netflix has started reporting these numbers back in June of last year, Stranger Things 4 moves back up to number six with a PFV of 111.7 over Money Heist Part 5. So it is now gunning to become one of the five most watched Netflix programs since they reported these numbers. And I'm glad they do because I like to crunch them every week. And then when we look at Nielsen, these are the most watched streaming movies in the US. This is a minimum view of two plus minutes and they're delayed by about a month. So this is for the week of June 13th through 19th. And another caveat is that I believe this is just on traditional viewing. So these don't necessarily measure people that are watching them on uh, non-television, but this is the best that we can do uh, right now. Hustle remains at number one. The Netflix film Spiderhead debuted uh, on the week of June 13th through 19th, so it was at number two, followed by Chicken Hair and the Hamster of Darkness or whatever it was called, you know, that Netflix animated movie at number three. Encanto remains a fixture on this list at number four, followed by HBO's remake of Father of the Bride starring Andy Garcia at number five. Netflix's halftime is at number six with 3.9 million hours watched, followed by Top Gun on Amazon, Turning Red on Disney+, Plus, The Amazing Spider-Man on Netflix, and Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore on HBO Max. And then when we look at the most watched streaming shows in the U.S. for the week of June 13th through 19th, Stranger Things remains number one. Remember, Nielsen does not break these out by season. So this is all seasons of all of these shows. Peaky Blinders at number two, The Boys on Amazon at number three, Obi-Wan Kenobi at number four, God's Favorite Idiot on Netflix at number five, Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey at number six, Ozark returning to the charts on Netflix at number seven, First Kill from Netflix at number eight, The Lincoln Lawyer at number nine, and Web of Make-Believe from Netflix at number 10. And that does it for the show this week. Thank you for sticking through my rough voice. The big movie coming out this weekend is Jordan Peele's Nope, which I'm desperate to see. I'd originally planned to see it tonight, but I'm on a five-day quarantine, as I should be medically. Minimum five-day quarantine. Uh, so I'm going to have to forego my plans to see Nope tonight. The earliest that I could possibly see this tomorrow, but I'm also going to make sure, very sure, that I am testing negative, that I make sure that those tests are accurate because the last thing that I want to do is risk putting anybody else through what I just went through. So I will have a review of Nope up um, as soon as I'm able to see the movie. The Gray Man also hits Netflix this weekend. I was able to see that film. It came out in limited release uh, and I was able to see it before I got sick last weekend. So I will be doing a review for that here on the channel. And then a number of movies that are getting limited release. If you're in a market that's showing the documentary My Old School, I saw that as part of the Virtual Sundance Film Festival and it is a really interesting uh, twisty, turny, kind of a mystery of a documentary. And so if you're looking for something interesting to see at the movie theaters, I recommend that if you're part of the markets that are showing my old school. Also, Comic-Con, of course, is this weekend. I'll be keeping my ear to the ground to see what news comes out uh, from all the various Hall H panels, etc. So you may see a video or two for me this weekend as we look and see what the future may hold for DC and Marvel. People already talking about Superman and X-Men and the news that we may get. Are we going to get all of it? Probably not, but we're probably going to get some pretty interesting stuff. So stay tuned for that. I do pretty much have my Picard Season 2 review done. It was pretty much derailed by uh, everything that was happening happening earlier this week, but I may be able to get that out perhaps on Friday morning. I'm trying to figure out the best time to do it. I don't want it to get buried under a bunch of Comic-Con stuff. If you don't see it, 
this weekend. You will definitely see it next week because I'm very proud of it and very excited. And it's my first long form video essay. So I'm just excited to share it with everybody. And one last thing before I go uh, to kind of loop back to everything that's been going on this week. Uh, but I know that some people look at the fact that I got COVID and say, well, you know, Dan's vaccinated and boosted, which I was, I got my full vaccination. I got my booster shot. And a lot of people take the fact that I got COVID uh, to say that that's proof that these vaccines don't work. Well, I can tell you that I think that the reason that I am sitting here doing charts uh, just a matter of days after testing positive for COVID, I think that that is a direct result of the fact that I did get those vaccinations and that I did get my booster shot. And actually, Mara was told by her doctors that uh, her having an extra booster shot because she's had some immune issues in the past may well have kept her out of the hospital or worse. So I know that uh, the internet is a big place and there's a lot of voices shouting and that there's a lot of crosstalk. Uh, but I would just say, uh, number one, um, Keep yourself safe and do everything that you can do to keep others safe. Uh, seek out uh, trusted sources, sources that have uh, data-based findings and research, etc. cetera. Uh, but most importantly, like I said, uh, this was not a fun experience for me. And it's something that I am very much still going through, uh, that it continues to be not fun in many ways. And as everybody goes out to Comic-Con and beyond, uh, I just want to underscore again, don't hesitate to take those steps to protect yourself and others because, you know, maybe you'll get this and it'll be a walk in the park as it apparently has been for others. Uh, but uh, I think that I'm actually quite lucky to have kind of gotten off as easy as I did. And this certainly wasn't easy. So just remember that uh, there's really no substitute for good health and you can't get that back a lot of times once you've lost it. So I'm very happy to be here doing this show for you, albeit a little bit delayed, barring any unforeseen circumstances. I will be back next week uh, at the regular day and time, and stay tuned for other updates here from the channel, and I'll be getting out and seeing Nope as soon as it is medically safe for me to do so. But uh, thank you so much for watching. Please stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.